finishing up this morning um, a kind of a two-part thing that I'm doing on the, on the teaching on the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which itself is a, uh, a conclusion to this whole teaching we've been given the last several months on covenant. What we're seeing is that the role of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant is twofold. He indwells all believers and writes the word of God on their heart and gives them a heart to walk with God um, and empowers them to walk with God, producing faith in our life and faithfulness in our life. But there's also another role that he plays, or at least is available to play, and that has to do with not so much with our personal individual relationship with God, but the implications it has for our relationship to the world and our empowerment for the world. The Holy Spirit indwells all believers and, and brings out the fruit of the Spirit as we yield ourselves to him. Uh, the, the indwelling Holy Spirit that is there for every believer is a, uh, the one who produces the fruit, uh, or that's the role that he plays in producing fruit. But when we're talking about the infilling or baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, we're talking more about the supernatural endowment of the gifts of the Spirit. We're talking about an increased boldness uh, and empowerment uh, in, in, in the believer's life uh, and, and whatnot. So here in Luke 11, it says this. So I ask you, Jesus says. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? We're talking about some really lousy fathers here. It's like, no, you can't have an egg. Here's a scorpion to play with. If you, if you then... But Jesus is, is stating things dramatically to make a point. It's so obvious that if you want it, God wants to give it. That's what he's saying. It's so obvious. So, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Pray with me here. Father, we're asking you for your Holy Spirit. And your promise is that you will give it. Lord, we ask that you would today, this morning, now, be pouring out your spirit in our life. Pouring out your power in our life. We need it, Lord. We need you, Lord God. Uh, we are empty without you. Life is purposeless without you. The work of the kingdom is impossible without you. The tangles of sin are unconquerable without you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need all of you, Lord. We need all of you, Holy Spirit. So, Father, we're praying that right now as the word of God goes forth, it would go forth not with human wisdom and human understanding, but in demonstration of spirit and power. And it would demonstrate the things that we're talking about. And, Lord, what we want to talk about is the Holy Spirit. So, Father, infuse this word. Pack it in with your power. And have your way here this morning. I pray, Lord God, that before this next 45 minutes is through, or however long, uh, Lord, that there would be people who would walk out of here filled like never before, endowed with power from on high like never before. Let it happen, Lord God. Give us a freeness, a freeness, Lord God, and an open-mindedness to let you be the God that you are and not try to pigeonhole you or box you into some preconceived idea that we have about you, Lord God bulldoze over us by the flowing Holy Spirit, Lord God. Uh, just, Lord God, pour the new wine 
into the new wineskins, Lord God. Burst the old wineskins open. That we could be, as we desire to be, the people of God. For you, walking in your anointing and power. But you've got to do this, Lord. My words are not going to do it. This isn't some kind of gimmick, Lord. So we just ask that you be present here. And have your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I really feel inside. Um, it's like this. It's really easy, like that song service. Norma, I love you. <laughs> you're just so anointed. I just love the way you lead worship. I, I just, you're just anointed, man. I, praise God. We're thanking God. I just thank God for the gift in you. And, uh, and, and it's easy, you know, in a worship service like this, I had such a great time. I, Whenever it's dangerous for me to get involved in really good worship services because I shoot out my voice uh, and then I can't preach. But, uh, I, I, you know, you, I praise God for that. And uh, it's so anointed and it's just, it's just kingdom stuff. We're going to be doing this throughout eternity, praise God. And, but see, here's the thing. It's possible for us to experience that. And then sometimes the word of God goes forward and, you know, people get saved and, and they get healed or transformed. And, and it's easy after mountaintop experiences to put up a tent, like Peter wanted to. Hey, let's stop right here. This is it. We've arrived. Uh, this is all we need. We're just going to settle in right now. Okay, we're, we're going to let's lock into this and let's keep it. See, but the thing is this. In this world, you cannot lock into where you are at. Before long, you'll find that you're slipping, but you won't even notice it. There is no coast, no cruise control in the driver... What's that called? Panel of the Christian life. Oh, that was a great analogy, don't you think? <laughs> There's no cruise control button. God does not want us to cruise control. Like, okay, we've settled in. Now we're just kind of cooking along. It is central to our growth in Christ that we are always, we stay always hungry. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Um, we need to be, saints of God, we need to be greedy in the things of the Spirit. And never, ever totally satisfied. Because there's always more of God than we have, and always more that God wants to do through us than what he's done. I like the spirit of, who came first, Elijah or Elisha? I was going to mix it up. Elijah was first, and then Elisha was second. Okay, Elijah was going to be carried away, and he, he could give one thing to Elisha. And Elisha says, you know, I want, I want the anointing that you have, but I want double it. What a great, no, no, Elijah was first? Okay, Elijah... Did a lot of great things, a lot of great miracles. I mean, this guy was a walking, talking prophet, you know, anointed stuff all over the place. But Elisha just doesn't say, oh, gee, I hope to, you know, be what you were. I want to be double that. But not for his own namesake, but to do more things for the kingdom of God. What a nice attitude. What a great attitude. A hungry attitude. God wants us to say, Lord, thank, thank you, God, for what you have done, for the way you have blessed, for the way you have healed, for the way you have moved, for the way you've built the church and, and the way you're moving the Twin Cities. But we want double that. Lord, we cry out for twice, three times, quadruple that. Pour out your blessing because he's gotten more of it there. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Stay questing after more of God. Don't grow satisfied with where it's at. The worst thing you can ever do is to compare your life to other people or compare your church to other churches and say, well, you know, since we're doing better than average, you know, then that now we're going to press the cruise control button. The standard that we strive for is the standard of the Word of God. It's the standard of God's own character. And there's always more He can do through us. 
There's always more of God than what we have. There's always more work to be done. I am just praying that we stay hungry, that we celebrate what God has done and we give him the glory for it, but we stay hungry and stay on our knees and stay praying, Lord, we want everything that you've got for us. We dream dreams. We have visions. We see the big picture. And Keep in your, in your mind, in the forefront of your mind, the things, the outrageously wonderful things that God can do if there are people who have the faith to receive it and the persistence in prayer to pursue after it. Stay hungry. Never get satisfied. And all that relates to this thing that I'm talking about today with regard to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One of the easy things to do is just to say, well, you know, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. And I like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I never heard about this before, but I don't need to hear about it because I like my theology. We always stay in our, the easy thing in life is to stay in our comfort zone. Stay in our comfort zone. My job is to move you out of the comfort zone. Every Sunday morning, I want to be, I, I, I'm talking to an army, and my job is as God moves me out of my comfort zone, I join you in on my misery. That's, that's how it goes. It's like, here's how God's moving me, you know, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll draw you along with it. Uh, and, and to move us out of our comfort zone. There's more of God's word than maybe we were taught in Sunday school, and there's more of God's presence than maybe we've ever received before in our life. And one area that, for many of us at least, is new is this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, I'm gonna re, what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to give a little review. Then I'm going to talk about two or three issues, and then we're going to just seek after God. We're going to do what, what Luke 11 says. We're going to ask God to send forth His Spirit. No gimmicks, no frills, no sizzle. We're just going to ask God to send forth his spirit, like he told us to, knowing that he will do that because he's a God who cannot lie, right? Amen. Um, so the, the review is this. Last week what we saw was that there is a distinction between the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life just as a believer. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you and all the, at least the potential for all the blessings and, 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 and all the treasures of the kingdom reside within you. You could not be a believer unless the Holy Spirit was, was within you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that no one can confess Jesus Christ as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's why, I will tell you right now, it is impossible if you're a believer, if you believe that, that, that Jesus Christ is true, you can't possibly have committed the unforgivable sin. You can't be Ichabod, devoid of the Spirit, because you wouldn't be believing in Jesus Christ as Lord unless the Holy Spirit was, in, was within you. And at least once a year, I get somebody who thinks that they committed the unforgivable sin, even though they're a believer. Vanquish the thought. It can't happen. The Holy Spirit is within you. But God has this other endowment, this other provision. It was given to just a few individuals in the Old Testament. Certain prophets, certain priests, and a certain king received this infilling or this baptism, this submersion, this saturation of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the glorious things, one of the presents, one of the gifts that God gives to his bride when we enter into a covenantal relationship with him is that, that that endowment, that power, that supernatural anointing, which was just available on occasion in the Old Testament, is now available to all believers, praise God. And God invites us to move into that. Now, the distinction is seen throughout the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, which talks the most about it. In Acts chapter 1, you recall the first thing out of the mouth of John the Baptist in the River Jordan when he saw Jesus was, I'm not unworthy, I'm not worthy to uh, un un unloose his sandals because I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me is mightier than I. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's where that phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit, comes from. Now Jesus reminds his disciples of that in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. He says, you remember, John the Baptist told you right from the very start that there would be this baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, baptism in spirit and in fire. 
So wait in Jerusalem. Don't do anything. Stay right where you are in Jerusalem until you receive power. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's when what John the Baptist is talking about will be fulfilled. And now you're going to be effective witnesses. Just by virtue of being who you are, saturated, filled with the, with, with the Spirit, you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and throughout the uttermost parts of the world, he says. So they wait and they tarried and they prayed until God sent forth his Spirit. And then it, it, it happens, it falls, he shows up in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 when they're all at the same time filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to prophesy, they begin to speak in other languages. The Holy Spirit lands on them. That's the fulfillment of what John the Baptist was talking about. It also fulfills what the Old Testament was talking about. And Peter lets the people know this when he stands up to preach. The people think that, all the crowds think that these guys are drunk. Apparently because they were having so much joy and festivity or whatever. Um, but Peter says, these guys aren't drunk, it's only nine in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the latter days, in the last chapter of my whole program for world history, I'm going to pour out my spirit, that spirit that you've known about on a couple of prophets, a couple of priests, and a couple of kings, I'm going to pour it out on all flesh, he says. All flesh, your young daughters, your, your, your young women, your, your men, uh, your old men are going to see visions, they're going to dream dreams, they're going to prophesy. I'm going to have this supernatural anointing on, on everybody. It's coming, and it happens on the day of Pentecost. The, the disciples were believers. Even the doubting Thomas believed in Jesus Christ. They, they understood at this point what it was all about, but they hadn't received the power from on high. There's a distinction there. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples are all praying uh, in, in this house, and it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Some of them had already been filled. This is a couple of years later, so far as we can tell. And it shows you that the filling and the baptism isn't a one-time thing. Sometimes people get this experience and then they coast on it for 74 years. That's not God's plan. It's supposed to be an ongoing quest. You're open to getting the fullness of God. So these people were baptized in the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 4. They were believers, but now they, re they had this filling. In Acts chapter 6, the, the apostles say, Find us seven people who are filled with the Spirit and with wisdom so that they can help us carry out some of the duties in the church. The fact that they would, would say, find us seven people who are filled with the Spirit, tells you that not everybody there was filled with the Spirit. The, the criteria would make no sense if they assumed that everybody was, was full of the Spirit in the same way. And in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes and preaches in Samaria. And he preaches to the Samaritans. It says that the Samaritans believed God. They believed the gospel. They were obedient to the gospel. They, they were baptized. There was a lot of joy, it says, in that city. And they even saw a lot of miracles done. But something was missing. And to show you that this isn't a sort of superfluous thing, Philip was looking for something. He didn't see the same kind of something that they had in, in Acts chapter 2 and they had in Acts chapter 4 that they were looking for in Acts chapter 6. They did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he whistles down and calls the apostles to come down here and pray for these people and they lay hands on them. And then it says, verses 14, 15, and 16... No, that's where they say that they, don't, they didn't have it yet, but a couple verses later, it says that they received the Holy Spirit. And it was so powerful that Simon the magician wanted to give money for it. Oh, I want to do that. You know, and they want to pay money for it. It shows you that there's a distinction. They were believers. They were saved, but they didn't have this power from on high. Acts chapter 9, Paul becomes a believer, gets knocked off his high horse. The Lord makes him blind for a couple of days. Ananias is called up to minister to him. And it says there, he was called up to pray that he'd receive his sight and then to receive the fullness, the, 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 the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Paul was a believer, but he hadn't yet received the, the fullness of the Spirit. Acts chapter 13, they're sending Paul and Barnabas out. And as they're praying, it says that they were all filled with the Spirit and with joy. A lot of times when the 
fullness of the Holy Spirit shows up, the joy of the Holy Spirit shows up. And here they are. They were always believers. Now they're being sent out, and bam, God lands on them. Notice also that almost always this happens in groups of people. It doesn't, we don't have theological categories for that, but that's how it happens in the book of Acts. Then finally, in Acts chapter 19, Paul's preaching to these disciples in Ephesus, and he apparently right away sees that there's something missing. Maybe they were just sort of mediocre, or there was no fire, or there was no life, or something. But Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Or after you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit after you believed? And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. So Paul gives them a little catechism, prays for them, lays hands on them, and they all receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a distinction that, that's being made. There's the covenantal salvation indwelling of the Holy Spirit. All believers have that. But there's this power that God wants us to have. This anointing that God wants us to have. This infilling that God wants us to have. And that's about empowering for ministry primarily. Now, it also has great repercussions in your own life. But the purpose is to anoint, to do ministry in the world. To walk in the gifts of the Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit that all believers have, that is there to uh, anoint you to walk, in, to, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. But what we're talking about this morning has primarily to do with the gifts of the Spirit. The an empowerment to preach the Word of God boldly and things of that sort. Paul, in Ephesians 5.18, says this. He says, don't be any longer drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Actually, he uses the perfect tense there. Be being filled. Which shows, again, that it's not a one-time thing. Uh, but rather, you know, you need to seek the Lord to be refilled uh, time and again. And he's saying, believers... Don't just be believers who control your own life, who do your own thing, who walk in the flesh, but rather be believers who are intoxicated with God the way a wino is intoxicated with wine. Be seeking God to saturate you, to fill you, to control you, to move you. That's what this infilling of the Holy Spirit is all about. Because then wherever you go, like a wino who is filled with wine, your breath is going to reek of Jesus Christ. You're, you're, you know, you, you can tell when a person's been drinking. You, know, you can smell it, you can tell it, you can just see it in the way that they walk and whatever. And so it is when you're filled with the Spirit, uh, people can tell. And that's part of how you are a witness. So there's that distinction. To be hungry for God, I believe, implies being hungry for this experience of God. Hungry for the... Inf and also this is saying, God, we want whatever you've got for us. We don't want the, we don't want the, 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 the minimal level Christian, Christianity. Uh, we want to go all the way with you, amen? We want your filling. We want your presence. We want you just to enrapture us and, and saturate us. And this is part of it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now let me talk about a couple of issues. Issue number one. It seems to me that humans have an incurable habit to, turn, to, to try to turn everything into a formula. Do we not? Uh, we want to we wanna box it in. We want to pigeonhole it. We want to, you know, we, we try to make a liturgy out of everything. Uh, here's how it has to happen. And this happens to this doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some of you have got buzzers because you come from churches where maybe this formula was done or some formula was done. So right now you're a little bit nervous. But I'm going to tell you, just chill because we're going to take care of it. And so just relax. One of the formulas that people have is this. You know, if, if you are going to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to speak in tongues. You know, if you haven't spoken in tongues, speaking it, see, some of you probably don't even know what that is. And we need to have a teaching on this at some point in the near future uh, about all the gifts of the Spirit. But speaking in tongues is being empowered by God supernaturally to speak, praise, and pray in a language that you haven't learned on your own. And it's available today. Uh, it's, it's a biblical gift. I practice it in my own prayer life a lot. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. But I don't believe that it is in any sort of way 
the criteria for whether or not you've been baptized in the Spirit. Now, in the book of Acts, you have three occasions where people are filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues. Praise God for that. But nowhere does the Bible say that, you're that everyone's supposed to do it that way. You also have a lot of other things associated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, in the New Testament. This, this anointing for prophecy, speaking the Word of God boldly and whatnot. That's associated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you just can't pigeonhole God down to say, okay, well, if you receive the, the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. Now, sometimes when people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they do speak in tongues. Praise God. But to say that that's how everyone has to do it uh, is just going beyond Scripture. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 23, 28, uh, he says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all pastors, does everyone speak in tongues? And the answer to all those questions is no. God gives gifts as he wants to give gifts, and, and that's his prerogative. And to take one of them and to say, this is the gift, this is how it always has to happen, it just creates... Well, it's, it's, just, it's just going beyond Scripture, and it creates weird things. Like, for example, people thinking that Billy Graham's not filled with the Spirit, because he tells us he never spoke in tongues. Well, if you're going to claim to be filled with the Spirit, then I want to see in your life the kind of boldness you see in his life and the power to witness. Good luck. Um, you know, it's just... Uh, it, it creates weird, weird things like that. I'm filled, with the Holy, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and Billy Graham's not. You also get kind of things where people... Where, the, where, where you have this sort of criteria, this shibboleth, you know, the... the then people start looking for tongues. And to ask, have you, you know, have you received the Holy Spirit, is to ask, have you spoken in tongues? And, now, now, and you kind of set this, this, this spiritual criteria. Some of you come from backgrounds like this, don't you? And, and you know, it's kind of like, you know, well, do you or don't you? And, and people have that. Like, I've had people ask me, you know, do you speak in tongues? And I'll say, yeah. And they go, I knew it. I knew it. I could just tell. It's like, no, you couldn't tell. Uh, you, you couldn't tell. Uh, it, it, it's not, see, but we set this little, you know, those who do and those who don't. And those who don't are trying to do. You see, and, and then they, they, there's sometimes it gets into manipulative things. Some of you have been to churches, haven't you, where you come forward for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which they think means you've got to speak in tongues, and you've got people then trying to get you to speak in tongues, grabbing your jaw and, and saying, loosen up and let go and hang on and, you know. And I have read a book. I read, honestly, if some of you have read books like this where they teach you how to speak in tongues. They put up a bunch of syllables. Say this, you know, come see my maroon bow tie, you know, uh, there. And ride my Yamaha. Or, you know, it... it yeah, I see, it is silly, it is silly, and we got to say out loud it's silly, because I want to be able to distinguish the artificial from the genuine. Uh, it's not laughing at God to laugh at that, because that is not of God, you see? And, and this kind of manipulative thing that you get involved in, and people trying to get you, you know, it's just, uh, it, what it does is it undermines, in a lot of people's minds, and probably in a lot of your minds, and some of your minds anyways, the value of the whole thing. I want to disassociate those two things together. When the Holy Spirit comes, there's a lot of ways you can know. The most fundamental way that the Bible talks about is that you're empowered. That's what it's all about. You're empowered. There's a boldness there. There's a confidence there that wasn't there before. There may be other things that happen. Praise God for that. There can be freedom that you never had before. There can be joy. There can be peace that you never had before. There can be a burden for lost souls like you never had before. There can be words of wisdom or a word of knowledge or an ability to heal that never was there before. Be open to all that, but don't be looking for a sign. Don't be looking for a sign. We're not to be chasing after signs, like give me the tongues, give me the this, give me the that. Chase after God, amen. Chase after Jesus Christ. We want His Spirit. Praise God. Amen. That's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. You don't worry about the, the sign stuff. As it happens, it happens. We seek after God. Some people think that if you haven't fallen down, then you haven't really, you know, you haven't really got the full fullness. Uh, or if you haven't, if you don't start laughing, and we, you know, there's this laughing in the spirit stuff. Now, sometimes when that happens, it happened last service. Some people, yeah, they, they, they fall down. It's just they're overcome by the power of God or whatever. Okay, fine. Uh, or, or, you know, I didn't see anyone laugh, but it could happen. But don't make that into a spiritual criteria. 
There is no spiritual criteria. We're against spiritual criteria. That adds, they, then people walk around with a measuring stick. Okay, so one thing has to do with that. Seek after God, not the signs. The signs will happen. Uh, God will take care of that. Our job is to hunger and thirst for all that. God, that's all it is, right? It's, all, it's, it's as simple as this. Lord, we want you. We want the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I want to empty myself that you may fill me. Uh, I, 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 I just want more of you and less of me. Fill me, Lord God. Let it overflow. That's the heart. That leads to a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some people have, have criteria, a formula about how to get it. Well, there's five steps to getting the Holy Spirit. And there's books written on this and, and, and whatever. They sell. So some people think that, you know, you, you only get it if you have a certain kind of, you know, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's because you, you're not walking in holiness. You know, there's a level of holiness you've got to attain to. Or some think that it's, uh, you know, you have to fast for three days, and then, that will, and, and then you'll get it. Because maybe they fasted for three days and then were baptized in the Spirit, so they think, and they mean well, they think everyone should do it, but you just can't turn this thing into a formula. Well, you have to publicly confess sin before God will, will fill you with the Holy Spirit. You have to this or you have to that. You've got to pray this way. You've got to do this way or whatever. I don't find any of that in the book of Acts. I don't find any of that in the Bible. They're all just there together. They're praising God, and boom, it happens. I think God's going fully on your criteria. I'll do it the way I want to do it, and he does it differently. I mean, one thing that's interesting is most of the time in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit falls, it falls on groups. And I'm sure those people are all at different levels in their relationship with God and in their levels of holiness and in their levels of prayer and whatever. But God, God says, on all of you, boosh, there goes the Holy Spirit. Apparently, it's not the kind of an individual sort of uh, uh, deal that he's, he's trying to, to work out here. One of the problems is that when we, think, uh, when we turn it into some sort of a spiritual uh, high jump game, the problem is, is that God often blesses people first in order to get them out of what they're struggling with. He doesn't wait till you get out of the struggles to bless you. Our natural mind says first, first comes the struggle, we earn it, and then God gives it as a response to that. God goes fooey on that kind of thinking. I'll pour out my spirit on whoever I want to pour out my spirit. I know this person's struggling with that sin, but this is how we're going to break it off of them, praise God. So he sends it forth. Be hungry for God and don't let the devil put in your mind that there's a, the, the, the high jump bars at a certain level and you've got to jump over it on your own before God helps you over it. No. The way you get over it is by God helping you first. Amen? Seek after God where you're at. Start with where you're at. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. A second issue that, that, that I want to talk about and then we're going to just be, be open before God and do this. Because the Lord really has shown me that, that it's easy to talk about stuff but do you have the guts to do it? You see? Uh, we like to talk about it, especially we Baptists. You know, it's like, theoretically speaking, you know, hypothetically, theoretically, someplace, sometimes, somewhere, some people do this. How interesting. No. God is saying, you! I want to, uh, let's, let's go for it. So we're going to have a time to do this. But here's another issue that some people have. Some people have worried uh, that, um, that if, if you abandon yourself to God, if you just open yourself up and say, God, fill me, I, I want all of you, that they're afraid they're going to lose control. Um, they're, they're, you know, and then they might do something silly. Uh, you know, they, they might start dancing in the aisles like me. Uh, and they don't want to do that. It's like, you know, if we don't want, what if I lose control? What if I do something stupid? What if I look kind of silly? What if, you know, and they get an idea that when God, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you go into some kind of a trance, you know, and, and, uh, I, you know, or something. Okay. And I understand that. It's a new and So people are wondering about this. It's like, I don't know if, if. Let me just kind of put, put you at rest about it. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Paul was using this against the Corinthians. He was basically saying, don't tell me you can't help yourself. You can help yourself. God never, uh, God is a gentleman, not a bulldozer. 
He doesn't like get you into some kind of trance. He'll, he'll go as far as you let him go. Um, and, and, and he's not going to just like, you know, take over your brain and make you do. Now, he may, he may make you want to do things you never thought you would do. And that's a good thing. Uh -huh. It's like all of a sudden it can happen. It has happened. I think it happened last service, as a matter of fact, that a person who is rather uptight about things like this and likes things, you know, just in a certain way and very proper, all of a sudden really didn't give a rip what anyone thought. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, oh, you know, and praise God. And that can happen. And that is freedom. Uh, you know what? So here's the balance. On the one hand, know that, 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 that God's not going to bulldoze over you or something like that. He's a gentleman knocks at the door. You let him in. He wants to fill you. But, but you're in control of yourself. It's not like, you know, you're going to go into trance. At the same time, I want to say that some of us really need to lose a little bit of control. Um, amen? I, you know, I, we tend to, in this culture, be a little bit too worried about, uh, we, we worry too much about things. We, get it, we, we like it to look a certain way. We like it comfortable. We, and, and that can really limit us. It can limit what God can do through us. Uh, and some of us need to let go a little bit more. I mean, I think I praise God for the abandoned worship that we had here. Um, but I'm not going to be satisfied with it. I, I want to encourage you sometimes when you worship to just lose. Have you ever lost yourself in the love of God? You lose yourself. You're not even aware of the people around you. You are gone. Hallelujah. And, and, and God is just moving on you. There's a depth of, of relationship, a depth of experience with God that you can attain. If you'll just let go of some of the reins in your life and let them kind of take over. And... Um, I think God would like to push the envelope a little bit here and let us loosen up a little bit more and you know, praise God, let some walls of inhibition fall down. And who knows? Maybe, you know, you know, they were on the day of Pentecost. They looked drunk. Not too proper now, was it? Uh, you know, but sometimes when God shows up, weird stuff happens. Sometimes people are, are, are worried about, this is my last point, they, they're like worried that, that you know, man, if this might, if, this, if the Holy Spirit lands, um, we might all just go bananas. I mean, what if the place just sort of explodes? What if people start doing weird stuff? Uh, you know, and, and they're worried about that. And some of us are legitimate. Some of us come from backgrounds. <laughs> Me. Where what we meant by the move of God was basically canonized insanity. Uh, it, it was, we, I could tell you stories. Uh, that it, are, are people just going ballistic, wacko, crazy, jumping over pews, going, you know, uh, <laughs> twirling around like tops, you know, bumping into it. When, 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 when service people ran into each other, running in the spirit like this. If you're going to run in the spirit, do not close your eyes, okay? Uh, and uh, boom, there it happens, you know. Then they get a Holy Ghost, you know, goosebump on their head, you know. It's like, you know, it, it really is, okay, here, here's the balance. We always got to strive for balance. The balance is this. On the one hand, Paul says, let everything be done decently and in order. Okay, so you want to be decent and in order. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're conscious of that. On the other hand, uh, he does say, let all things be done. A lot of churches, in the name of being decently in order, cancel out all things. It's like, okay, that's not going to happen. because So th that, that's the balance. Um, you know, the balance is that we want to watch so that there isn't any kind of flesh demonstrations. I really don't think we have to worry about that, frankly. Um, you know, people just kind of getting nuts and drawing attention to themselves. At the same time, I want to again encourage you to relax a little bit. When God shows up, when God shows up, I put it like this last hour, and I like it. When God shows up, there ain't no liturgy. 
You know, there ain't no liturgy. And, and God reserves the right to do it. We like to pigeonhole and put them in a box, a little formula. Maybe God is saying, you know what, for t this morning, let's just kind of push the envelope a little bit. And so just whatever, whatever God does, let God do. Uh, don't worry about keeping control of it. The leadership's job is to do that. I want us now with just single-mindedness, single-heartedness to seek God for all that is God for us. Amen? To seek God for all that is God to us and let God take care of the rest.